Welcome to our Good Friday service for Cordova Church of the Nazarene online. Uh, would you pray with me? Almighty God, we pray you graciously to behold this, your family, for whom your Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and given into the hands of sinners and to suffer death upon the cross, who now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And our Old Testament reading today is from Genesis 22, verses 1 to 18. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven, and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my foot upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, 
who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever persevere me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappoint altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And would you sing with us today? I received my sight 
Testament reading today is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 25. Hebrews 10. For since the law has been a shadow of good, of good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Therefore, it would, um, would they not have have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consequences of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no no pleasure. Then I say, <clears throat> I have come to do your will, O God. It is written of me in the scroll of the book. Then he said above, You have um, neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings, and burnt offerings and sin offerings. Those were offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second, and by that will we have been we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily in his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should take or should make a footstool, footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who, who are being sacrificed. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, after saying, And this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember those, remember their sins and their lawlessness deeds no more. When there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering of sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confided confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great peace over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled 
sprinkled clean from an evil consonance, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast um, the confession of our hope without wavering for those, or without wavering for he who promised um, is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as it is habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see, um, the day draws near. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
gospel reading is from John 18 through 1937. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that had been spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have not lost one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his sand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said was wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing, warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. 
one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, If this man were not doing evil, would we have delivered him over to you? Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken, to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to them, said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Then the Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it has been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. 
From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered over to them, he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and went out. And he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him. And with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and he put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and my, for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but were standing by the cross of Jesus, where his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all now was finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there so that they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch, and they held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of the preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there out came blood and water. 
He who, had, he who saw it bore witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. The word of the Lord. Well, I think we know That this text, this story, is about our forgiveness. It's about our redemption. It's about the high cost paid um, to restore and to redeem creation from the power of sin and death. But John, the Gospel of John, has a very particular way of talking about it. He calls it Jesus' glorification. Jesus over and over says, I will go to be glorified. And we hear that passage, and it's good that we hear it all at once because it just kind of overwhelms. It's hard. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to understand how that might be Jesus' glorification, his enthronement, his lifting up. Except that Jesus does all that he does in a way that no one else could. As Jesus is pressed and broken, and rejected by nearly everybody. Everyone who ought to have authority, everyone who ought to have something to say is revealed to not. Peter, the chief disciple in some ways, he becomes a denier. John, the beloved disciple, there at the foot of the cross, impotent to save Jesus from his fate. The other ten disciples, we don't really know what happens to them. They run away. The women at the cross, the same thing, unable to save him. The mobs are shown to be so blind, so unable to perceive this person that they've been following, they've been excited about and that they've turned against and that they've then received and then turned against, that they've shouted Hosanna and now crucify. The Jewish leadership is shown to be corrupt at the heart. Ultimately, who do they appeal to? It's not to the Lord, but it's to Caesar the emperor. Even Pilate, this one who ought to have all authority behind him, he's the representative of the empire. He is Caesar's image in this place. And he's afraid. 
He's afraid of the truth. He's afraid of the crowds. He's afraid of this one who others proclaim to be king. He lets others take the action, but his own action is basically to allow others to have their way. In this reading, all authority except the authority of God in Jesus Christ the Son is dethroned. It's shown to be weak, sterile, unable to accomplish what it claims that it can accomplish. And instead, John wants to say that that in the cross, Jesus is glorified. That this cross is his throne. And, And to be fair, part of what John means when he says that is not just the crucifixion. He means also the resurrection and the ascension and the entire events. But but he does not exclude the cross from that. The sign over Jesus' head, King of the Jews written in every language known to the people who walked that way, placed outside of this major crossroads city on a hill. He is high and lifted up, except instead of being lifted up in glory and victory, he is lifted up in defeat. He is lifted up suffering and dying the death of a political rebel, of an insurrectionist, of a one who claimed authority that was not his to take. But John makes clear that even in that lifting up, he is still the Lord. He is still king. This is the remarkable thing. You know, everybody, every religion, every philosophy, every system of how you ought to live your life says take your strengths and build on your strengths. And you take those things that you're good at and you establish them and and you use them to catapult yourself into the stratosphere. And it was no different in Jesus' day. You took what you were good at, what you were strong at, and you used that to leverage your way up the top. And as you got closer to the top, guess what? You actually got closer to God. The emperors were considered gods. The pharaohs that Israel suffered under were considered gods. This idea that we can somehow be immortal and divine... It's not something that we came up with. It's not something that moderns invented. This has been going on all along, and, and always it's you ascend, you go up, you don't certainly don't go down. Think of the icons in our day who take a gift that they've been given, a talent sports or music or writing or politics. And they use that to become iconic. 
legendary. They use that to move into a level of life that you and I could never imagine in terms of wealth, in terms of people who will give them anything that they want. That's not what Jesus does. And that's what is so strange and so hopeful about this glorification. Is that Jesus doesn't take what is strong and then say, congratulations, you've been given this strength. You can therefore ascend to the heights and into immortality. You can now come into eternal life because you're so strong and beautiful and intelligent and wise. Because you're so talented or gifted. Because your social media following is so large or so intense. Jesus does something that nobody else does, which is that he takes the descent into the depth, into the darkness, into death itself. He takes the thing that all of us know. Because even icons die. Even heroes get sick. Even people at the top of the game get injured and stumble and fall and can't quite figure it out for a minute. But There's plenty of people who've never figured out how to be strong. There's plenty of people who've never figured out how to manipulate the world around them to their own benefit. And Jesus actually leads the powers of death along and he says, I'm going to go so far into what you have made evil. I'm going to use that thing to save. I'm going to use that thing, death itself, to redeem. And so he takes on death and decay and disease and loss and sorrow and rejection and abandonment and he puts that on himself and because of who he is, he transforms it from despair into hope. And of course, the message of Good Friday is always looking forward to the day of resurrection. but it also is telling us that no matter where we are, no matter where we find ourselves, God has been there. If we're in the hospital bed, we can see in that place God has already been here. If we are in the midst of relationships falling apart or not going the way that we want them to go, we can know, oh, God too was abandoned. God too was forgotten and rejected by those who he needed to love him. In our weakness, in our sorrow, in our loss, we can know that somehow the the unchangeable, eternal God has been even there. And he's taken that and just just like a hook in the mouth of the enemy, he's baited that hook with his own death and used it 
to bring us life. So that all who would seek our corruption, who would seek our decay, who would seek our damnation, instead find one who they cannot overcome. They find Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of the Jews. They find the one who is the Word, who is life himself. Your sorrow and your despair are not something to be feared. They are something Christ is eager to transform. Would you bring them to him today? Would you bring your whole life to him today? Would you place it at the foot of the cross? Let him take it into the grave. Pray with me. Father God, you did not hold back your son, but you gave him, you gave him up to suffering and to death so that we all might be saved. Enable us to bring all that we are to you whether that means a cross whether that means a glorification that sure doesn't look or feel like glorification God be the Lord of our lives today we receive you we confess you even and especially and the strangeness and the difficulty of this day. Take us, break us, and make us your own, we pray. Amen.